worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Good morning. All right. This is going to be a new era for the morning show. What are you talking about? What does that even mean? You know. <laughs> it's a new era. You know. Taking it to the next level. Yeah, it's time to take it to the next level. And why would we do that? There are going to be some great parties. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the weekend. All right, then. Let's get this party started. I don't want this Saturday. Bringing you all the news and the newsmakers on News Talk 1480 WHBC. Good morning. This is David Held. It's Saturday morning, and you're listening to News Talk 1480 WHBC. And uh, due to upcoming football games, the program's going to go until 10.30 today, but we're going to have two very good guests on the show today. At 9.35, we're going to have Secretary of State, Secretary of State of Ohio, Frank LaRose. He wants to give us an update on where and when you can vote and how you can vote. We're going to have a record turnout of voting coming up at this election. So he's going to give us an update as to how we can make sure we get it done. And then we're also going to have, just after 10 o'clock, we're going to have Sam Sliman, who is the civil service director for the city of Canton. He's been there for over 30 years, started out as a city councilman. And uh, now he is in charge of, a lot of people would say that, um, that Sam is the master of annexation responsible for most all of the annexation that has taken place in the city of Canton for years, enlarging their geographic area and bringing more income into the city. But Sam is also responsible for the hiring and the testing of new government employees, and he's going to talk to us about uh, the process they have to hire police officers, which is, I believe, the toughest job in in America is being a police officer. It's not an easy thing to do. We also saw that, um, you know, it's kind of interesting when you look at things in life, how there are so many similarities, right? And I'm sure a lot of you out there are, uh, you know, you love animals and you might have uh, one of your favorite animals, right? And um, I know that one of my favorite animals, John, do you know what my favorite animal is? One of my favorite. I do not know what you're... I mean, dogs? <clears throat> I love dogs. I love dogs. I'm more of a dog lover than I am... Uh, I love cats, but I like dogs more. Are you a cat or a dog lover? Um, I mean, we have a lot of cats, um, you know, in my family. Allie's family has a lot of cats. My parents have a lot of cats, and Allie and I have a lot of cats. <laughs> I mean, I guess we're cat people, but... <laughs> At the same time, I mean, we also want dogs. So, right. you know, when Allie and I move into a bigger place, we have two cats right now, and we're looking to probably get a dog once we move into a bigger place. You want to get a big dog, little dog? Um, She loves corgis, the little corgis, the like... The Queen of England dog. That's right. right. And they're cute dogs. They they're are. nice dogs. But they're they really are. cute dogs. A friend of mine just got a corgi. 
Oh, yeah. Really, really cute dogs. I think it's a good choice. Yeah, no, they're 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 trustworthy. They're good dogs and they're... loyal, loyal dogs. Yeah, we've got two dogs. We've got a Bouvier, which is we we got that dog because it was my wife wanted a big dog, and I wanted one that didn't shed oh. because of my allergies, which are kicking in this morning. And then we have a little terrier that was a stray, and. Um, I was told by the children when they found it that it didn't shed. They brought it home, and I found out that it sheds. So I guess you could look at it in a positive that I learned to become desensitized to the dog allergies over a couple of years. <laughs> it was a painful... <laughs> it was like built-in allergy shots, okay? I was going to say you built, a, you built an immunity to it in, like, what, three years, four years, probably? Yes, exactly. Yeah. But now the leaves and the grass, which I'm also allergic to, I do give myself the allergy shots. There you go. You ever given yourself a shot, John? I've not. It's not something that I ever want to do. Yeah, it it uh, it could it can instill a great deal of fear. Okay, but I wanted to save myself the drive to the doctor's office on a weekly basis, and allergy shots do work. And I do give them to myself now. I am very very proud of myself. Overcame the fear of giving myself a shot. But going back to the favorite animals, one of my favorite animals is an elephant. Elephant. And, you know, it's really interesting. They've done a study on elephants. There's a lot of similarities in how how these elephants uh, conduct themselves and how they, in the ecosystem, how important they are. So in Mozambique, the elephant population had rapidly declined. Uh, And that was due to the civil wars. What they found is when they don't have the elephants, the elephants that make the pathways through the wilderness, which allow other animals to migrate and to move and other uh, vegetative uh, aspects of the ecosystem to thrive, that when you don't have the elephants, it totally throws off the ecosystem. One of the other things that they found out, and this is really interesting, and I think this has a very, very strong connection to the, the human human beings and, and our communal interaction with each other, right? They found out for the first time, this was back in the 90s, uh, that um, they were taking these young elephants, these adolescent elephants that did not have, you know, uh, parents, and they translocated them. They put them into these other reserves so that they could grow up and they could increase the elephant population. But what they found is that uh, there were some problems. There were some problems when they took the young elephants and they put them into these new reserves. They found that the rhinos, for the first time in recorded history, were being killed. And then they'd look and they'd see these these rhinoceroses that were that were being killed. These white rhinos, black rhinos. And they didn't know how this was happening, and they saw that they were being gored by these by these elephants, right? That's upsetting. It's it's uh, yeah, it was it's really unbelievable. Now, what we're going to do? We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to tell you why these rhinos were getting killed, and what was the cause, and how does that connect to us as human beings? This is David Held. It's Saturday morning. You're listening to News Talk 1480 WHBC, and at 9:35, we're going to have. Secretary of State Frank LaRose is going to be joining us this morning.
Good morning, Saturday morning. It's 46 degrees outside. It's a little cloudy. It was raining last night. Make sure you clean out your gutters. I wouldn't go up on the ladder by yourself. Make sure you do it safely, but uh, clean out the gutters because when it rains and then it gets cold and then the snow and ice build up, it's going to be a problem. You're going to have some flooding. You mentioned uh, people going up on the ladders. Yesterday I was uh, pulling into my my folks' driveway Mm -hmm. and uh, First Energy was working on something on the one telephone pole and their ladder was right there and I pulled by it. But I was thinking, if I had swerved just a little bit, oh. that guy is coming <laughs> toppling down. And the guy who was actually sitting there working with him, like kind of spotting him, he looked over at me and he pointed and he <laughs> laughed because he saw that my inches were so close to hitting Ooh. this guy. Um, I was just thankful that uh, that I that was, you didn't hit yeah, the ladder. I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You would have had a uh, you know a flying body coming down. I would have, and that's not something that anybody wants. No, no. So you got to be safe, safe around ladders. You do, you do. They're very, they're they're a great, <laughs> they're a great creation, but they're very dangerous. Yes, have somebody hold the ladder. Yeah. Don't try to be a hero. No, no. Right. Because then you could end up in a hospital. You could end up in a hospital. Be safe, right? Yep. So anyways, let's go back here, and we're drawing the connection to uh, elephants, right? So in Mozambique, they had this population of the elephants were being decimated, and uh, so what they found is that they would take and they would translocate these orphan elephants. They'd put them into the population. Elephants are predominantly a matriarchal uh, community, so you have the, the... the female that is in charge and um, in charge of all the young elephants. And then when the elephants get older, particularly the male elephants, what they would do is um, they would have, um, they would, you know, they would start to move to different, different herds. So here's the problem. You had the um, young elephants So you had the young elephants that um, were creating problems because they were coming into their must, uh, musk much earlier. They were mating, right? Much earlier. And they couldn't find, they couldn't understand what the problem was. So what you have is these young elephants started killing the rhinos for the first time in history, right? And so what did they do? They found that the solution was to take an older male elephant and put the older male elephant, like a 40-year-old elephant, dominant elephant, in the herd. Because that inherently kept the younger elephants in line. So when there was no older male elephant in the herd, the younger elephants began getting into their mating season 10 years earlier. So normally an elephant would start like at 28 years of age, they would start to, uh, uh, that's when they would, they would start to mate, right? Well, when there was not an older dominant elephant, the younger ones got out of control. They were out of control. And that's what we see today in human society. If you don't have a dominant male 
you're going to see the younger males get out of control, right? And then that's what leads to protests. That's what leads to problems. That's what, that's what leads to all sorts of issues. And, um, and, you know, so it's really, really interesting that, uh, you know, amongst Republicans, Democrats, and independents, everybody wants their toilets to flush. Everybody wants the police, fire, and EMS to show up. They all want their roads paved. They all want a safe community. And I think there's something we can learn from the elephants, which is... The younger elephants need a role model. They need somebody to keep them in line. They need uh, an older, more experienced male elephant to keep them on track. And human beings are the same way. And uh, so when you look at a lot of young people, I think it's really kind of amazing when we see these wild protests Oftentimes I think to myself, protest, let's first get a job. Let's first accept responsibility for ourselves, right? Oftentimes I will talk to my children and, uh, you know, it's funny when you're raising kids, they'll say, you know, I'm independent. I can do this on my own. And that's what all young people strive to do is to be independent, right? And, uh, but I always remind the children that when you come into the world, you are totally dependent on your parents. And then as you grow through your childhood into adolescence, you start to strive towards independence. And that's a goal that we have. But the ultimate goal is not independence. It's transitioning beyond independence. And that's to the point where others can depend on you. And so you do notice that uh, when adolescents or kids in their teens, as their responsibility increases, their behavior becomes better, right? And usually, you know, the idle, the idle minds is the devil's workshop. So I think that uh, the more responsibility that we have, that we give our children, the more they will learn how others can depend on them. And uh, so that brings, that brings up another, another uh, interesting point. You got a lot of stress going on in people's lives right now because you got the upcoming election. We're going to have uh, Secretary of State Frank LaRose is going to be on the show here in about, uh, you know, five minutes. But what's interesting is... Uh, if you want to relieve your stress, you'll see, okay, this person's got a Biden sign. This other person has a Trump sign. And if you have your neighbor or your coworker or your family member that is supporting somebody else other than the one you're supporting, it's real simple to remove the stress. Just listen to them. Learn something from them. Because I can tell you that whoever wins the election we have to work together. There's got to be that place of agreement. There's always something you can learn from somebody else. And, and if you don't have that place of agreement, if you don't have that place of agreement, 
with the other side, you're not going to get anything accomplished. So we're going to take a break, and uh, we're going to be talking to Secretary of State Frank LaRose. He's going to talk about what's going on in the world of elections. It's on people's minds, and we'll be back. Good morning. It's Saturday morning. This is David Held. You're listening to News Talk 1480 WHBC. It's 46 degrees outside. It's getting cooler. 46 degrees. It's it's not snowing yet, so that's good. It is a little bit wet and rainy, so make sure you clean your gutters. But as John was saying earlier, do it safely. Don't get too high up on the ladders. Get somebody to help you hold the ladder, right? Absolutely. Okay, on the line we have with us Secretary of State Frank LaRose. And uh, good morning, good morning, uh, sure. Secretary. How are you? I'm doing well. And you know what? When you're done cleaning your gutters, you can go take advantage of early voting as well because it goes on all this weekend and next weekend as well as throughout the week. Basically every day until Election Day is a day for early voting. It's the County Board of Elections. I hope that early voting is not as dangerous as cleaning the gutters. We, we <laughs> certainly got... won't be. You know, in some cases there are a few lines, but the boards of elections report that the lines are moving quickly. People are excited and enthusiastic to come out and participate in, in, in early voting. And obviously those lines are being maintained in a six-foot social distancing, so it looks longer than it is. But if you don't want to see any kind of line at all, then the easiest thing to do is to vote absentee. And there's actually still plenty of time to request an absentee ballot, but we're telling folks to do it before Tuesday this coming Tuesday, October 27th, and, and you can print off that form at VoteOhio.gov or even make your own form with a plain piece of paper. We give you the instructions right there at VoteOhio.gov. So you can you can make your your own application or your own ballot? No, no, yeah. just your own application. Yeah, that's right. You the ballot can't, has right. to be the official one that they send you. We're talking about the absentee ballot request form. And, um, again, that has to be sent to the Board of Elections so they can mail you a ballot. Uh, if you don't have a printer, though, then, again, you can just get all the instructions right there at voteohio.gov slash make your own. Specifically, that's where the instructions are, and, and you'll fill out all the information, and the Board of Elections will get you a ballot in the mail. But do it. Uh, don't wait. Uh, do it before Tuesday, October 27th. So Tuesday, October 27th is the deadline to request a ballot. And is that based on the um, uh, like the, the, the postage when it's when it's postmarked or... Or is it when it when it's received? Well, so that date is really just a date that we're saying as far as sort of the, the smart day. The law says you can wait all the way until Saturday the 31st. The problem is you just won't get your ballot in time if you wait until Saturday the 31st. And so we're telling folks Tuesday the 27th should be the last day to request your empty ballot. Now, when it comes to returning your ballot, once the Board of Elections gets your request form, they'll send you a ballot. When you send back your ballot to the Board of Elections, it's got to be postmarked by Monday, November 2nd. That's the last day to get it postmarked. Or, of course, if you really want to, you can take it down to the Board of Elections yourself. But the most convenient thing to do is to just put it in the mail. Drop it off. Now, we're seeing a, um, with, um, you know, with the voter turnout, we're, we're seeing a pretty high, high percentage of people showing up to vote. How does it compare to 2016? 
Oh, this is exciting, David. We're, we're blowing away any kind of previous number, and this has been something that we focused on from the beginning. We wanted to get as many people to vote now as part of absentee voting and early voting as we could. We knew that uh, getting Ohioans to cast their vote right now is a, not only a great thing for civic engagement, but it also helps take the pressure off of Election Day so we, we don't want to see any lines or crowding at the polls. And so uh, we're seeing triple the number of early votes. And this is from a couple days ago, but we've already had close to a half million early vote ballots cast. In 2016, it was 165,000. So we've seen more than tripling of that. As far as absentee votes, those mail-in ballots, we've already seen 2.7 million Ohioans request an absentee ballot. By contrast, in 2016, that number was 1.4 million. So that's obviously doubled as well. And the total number of ballots that have already been cast, and again, this is this is a few days old number, uh, is 1.1 million. So Ohioans are participating in record numbers, and it couldn't be more exciting. You know, what's interesting is when um, when you look in, at Stark County, so we have uh, 370,000 people in the county, and, uh, and they're expecting, uh, you know, a, a number that is going to be very close to 2016. So, in 2016, we had 249,000 people that voted, 249,032. And, and the early the early voting is, it's a little bit shy, but we still have two weeks left. And so we're, we're looking at, at numbers that are going to be very similar to 2016. And that had to have been the, one of the biggest years in, in voting history, right? 2016 was a high turnout year. I think we're going to break that record this year. Uh, I'm anticipating that we're going to have the highest uh, participation rate that we've ever seen, and that's an awesome thing because, of course, uh, the more people participate, the better when it comes to making sure that our democracy thrives and every voice can be heard. Now, now, has it been a challenge? Have we seen any of the long lines? Like, what are the, you know, like waiting for hours in line? Are we seeing that anywhere in the state of Ohio? I know that down at Stark County, it's been very, very efficient. Uh, yeah, not not ours, but there have been some cases where there have been long lines uh, for early voting. But again, remember, in Ohio, we have 216 hours of early voting. It goes on for four weeks. Only five states in the nation have more early voting hours than we do. We have Sunday afternoon hours. There are only five states in the nation that have that. We have Saturday early voting. Only 20 states in the nation do that. We have evening hours. And so if there's a big line for the early voting, well, then, you know, there are a lot of other times that folks can do it. And by the way, if you don't want any line at all, um, absentee voting is the, is the easiest and, and simplest way to cast your ballot. All you got to do is walk to the end of your driveway and put it in your mailbox and mail it back to the BOE. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is I, I've, uh, so I sent in my application for an absentee a ballot, got it back, and uh, and you can see that, uh, you know, you've got the fill-in box where you just darken the area and... And then you'll run that ballot through a computer, right? It's going to read, um, you know, almost like the looks like an ACT test or something, you know, like the, the computerized tests that the children take in high school. Absolutely. In fact, the absentee ballots are usually the very first ballots counted by the Board of Elections. So as soon as they get that, you mailed your ballot back, you can track it at voteohio.gov to make sure it's received. So you have the confidence of knowing that they got it, just like you would track a package you order online or whatever else you track it the board of elections receives it and uh, and then they they verify your information check your signature scan your ballot and right at 7:30 on election night the very first ballots counted are those absentee ballots because of course the in-person election day ballots 
aren't back yet. They're still getting driven back to the Board of Elections. And so the very first ballots counted are those absentee. One of the other advantages, David, of voting absentee is that you're allowed to cheat on the test. I mean, think about it. I think we've all, even folks like me and you that have been involved in this process for a long time, uh, we get to the bottom of the ballot, and maybe you don't recognize the name of the candidate right. for judge. You want to make sure you're making the right choice. If you vote absentee, you don't have to have it memorized. You can sit there at home, flip open your laptop, even call a friend. Think about it. Take a half an hour, the time it would take to organize your soccer and be the most informed voter you could ever be. That's a, another great advantage of absentee voting. Organizing the sock drawer, that is something that needs to be done at our house, for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you that's have, much safer than, than cleaning out the gutters. I think so. Cleaning out the gutters. Be careful cleaning out the gutters. It's safer to vote, so just show up to vote. And if you don't want to go down to the lines, although the lines are moving along really, really well in Stark County, you can request an, an absentee ballot. And again, the deadline, uh, the deadline is? Uh, the deadline is... This Tuesday, the 27th, don't wait any longer than that because we want to make sure the Board of Elections has plenty of time to get that request and then mail you your ballot. Okay, now what's interesting is let's say that, so I got the ballot, you, the, just as all, you know, thousands of other people in, you know, in uh, Stark County get the ba ballot, they fill it out and then they have to, you know, put it back in the envelope. What was interesting is I saw that if it is not sealed, if the ballot is not sealed within an envelope that goes inside another envelope, right? Uh, mm -hmm. It says the vote will not be counted. Can you explain why that is? So a lot of this is laid out in the law. First of all, you've got to put your ballot inside the identification envelope. That's the envelope that goes inside of the mailing envelope. On that identification envelope, that's where you have to put your, your name and the last four of your social or your state driver's license number or another form of ID, the date of birth, your signature, all of that. That's to make sure that we prove that you are who you say you are, just like you have to show an ID when you come to vote in Ohio. Uh, when you mail in an absentee ballot, that's a safeguard to make sure that you are the voter uh, who should be cast in that ballot. Now, of course, uh, we also believe in the secrecy of the ballot. Each of us should be able to vote privately with nobody knowing how we voted. And that's one of the reasons why it's configured the way it is. So they cut open that ballot envelope with a both Republican and Democratic poll worker there present. And then that's where they sever that identity so that you're the way you voted can't be tracked by anybody. Okay, that's and, and and that just really ensures the integrity of the process to make sure that uh, you know that that everything is getting done correctly. And I did see a news story. I'm sure it's not uh, you know the percentages are not that high, but you know you had saw where you have the uh, drop boxes and you had somebody that had um, uh, you know, set fire to one of the drop boxes. I mean, what what happens in a case like that? How do you? Uh, it's, uh, well, first yeah. of all, what you're, what you're talking about is a case from California, not Ohio, right? Okay. Uh, and so to be clear, in Ohio, the only places that you can have a drop box is at the County Board of Elections. They're all under video surveillance 24 hours a day. They're opened and, and cleaned out every day by a bipartisan team of elections officials. Obviously, that situation in California is a criminal matter. I'm sure it's under investigation for arson and that kind of thing. But what they have to try to do then is create an opportunity for those people whose ballots was, were destroyed uh, to cast a second one. Uh, the good news is, though, the boards of elections, whether it's here in Ohio or anywhere else in the country, keep very meticulous track of who has voted and who hasn't. So nobody gets to vote twice, certainly. Uh, and so that's something that I'm sure the, the elections officials out there will take care of. But again, that's not an Ohio issue. That's a California issue. Okay. And then also when, uh, so I'm very impressed with the tracking of the um, your application and the, 
and the ballot. Uh, I mean, a very sophisticated process that you have there. But one of the other questions is why was there is there such a delay? Is that intentional or is it just the volume? So if somebody turns in their application, there could be you know two three weeks that were going by. And I know some people are getting a little bit nervous. Is that uh, is that just due to the volume, or is there a, uh, you know a law that restricts when the ballots can be sent out? Well, so there is a law that establishes when the boards can start sending out SD ballots, and that is beginning on October sixth. But there was an additional delay due to a vendor that had been hired by some of our boards of elections. Now, again, remember the board of elections is completely bipartisan. Everything they do is overseen by both Republicans and Democrats, but many boards, 16 boards around Ohio, including Stark County, chose to hire a vendor for the printing and mailing of their absentee ballots. That's common. This vendor made a big mistake. They overpromised and they underdelivered. There's no reason why they should have done that because we knew that we were going to see record numbers of absentee ballots. In fact, I started predicting in April that we were going to see double the number, and my prediction came true. Uh, and so this vendor was slow in fulfilling those requests. Many boards of elections have discontinued the relationship with that vendor. But the good news is they held the, that vendor accountable, and they got all the ballots out by, I think it was a week ago at this point, that they all got out in the mail. And so everybody had plenty of time still to receive their ballot and to return their ballot. Again, remember, you have until Monday, November 2nd to have it postmarked. So uh, folks have plenty of time to get that done. But it should never have happened, and that vendor, uh, again, has to be held accountable for, uh, for that mistake. Okay, then let's say somebody takes their absentee ballot, they fill it out, and they accidentally fill in the wrong uh, person that they're voting for, and they want to make a change, right? They, they do have a mechanism. You have a mechanism set up where they can request another ballot. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, you, you, if you make a mistake on one, you can get another one. In fact, you can get up to three uh, mistakes, and uh, the Board of Elections will work with you on that, of course. If you made a mistake on your absentee ballot, they can still mail you another one. Or the easiest thing to do at that point would probably be to just take it down to the Board of Elections and participate in the early voting. And they'll 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 invalidate the old one that you give them, and they'll give you a fresh ballot. So if you do make a mistake, don't worry about it. Contact your Board of Elections or go down during the early voting hours. Because everybody gets to vote once, right, Frank? One time. One That's time. it. Every voice must be heard, but only once. Every voice must be heard. So how many vote, How many registered voters do we have in the state of Ohio? This is exciting, David. We went over 8 million, and this is something we were working on really hard because we knew it was harder to get voter registration done this year because traditionally people go out with clipboards on college campuses or whatever else. So we mailed out over 100,000 voter registration forms to high school seniors that were graduating back in the spring. We're going to do it again next spring. We were working with barber shops and beauty salons and craft brewers. I mean, we had this great program going on to try to get people registered to vote, and we were really thrilled to see that number go over 8 million, uh, and that's a good thing for Ohio. Well, and I know I know that you've put in a very strong effort to get the, get the vote out. And you, what was interesting last night, we have on the line with us Secretary of State Frank LaRose. And, Frank, I'm sitting there watching Netflix last night, okay? It's like <laughs> okay. 1030 at night, watching Netflix, and then all of a sudden... I'm hearing Frank LaRose's voice coming through my cell phone, right? I'm thinking, what is happening here? So it was a commercial, right? Because okay. uh, it was, uh, it was, you know, I guess I didn't buy the proper package. And uh, so I'm getting these intermittent uh, commercials. So I'm listening to your voice, Frank LaRose, talking about early voting. And that was like at 1030 at night. So, and, and it was actually, the, the ad came through on my cell phone twice. So 
I know that you're getting the word out there, and just to let you know that your ads are working. They're working. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, that's a public service announcement that we uh, work with the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and others to get out there. It's important for Ohioans to know their options. Three great choices, early voting, absentee voting, and in-person election day voting. Not a bad choice among them. It's just important to decide which one you want and then get out there and make your make your voice heard. There's really no no good excuse for not voting, David. It's, it's easier in Ohio today than it's ever been in our state's history. It's just a matter of taking your citizenship seriously and the responsibility of being a voter and, and getting out there and voting. Well, I'll tell you, um, uh, Frank, you've done a great job. You're a very hard worker. you got a lot of positive energy. You've always been available. You're getting the word out. You've got a very, very cooperative and supportive staff. And so uh, we, we certainly want to commend your efforts. I think you're doing a great job uh, getting the word out, allowing Democrats, independents, and Republicans to be able to vote. And uh, and it's, it's going real well. So uh, appreciate your energy, appreciate your effort. And uh, so we want to thank you for coming on the program. Yeah, thank you, David. I view this as a mission. This is so much bigger than party. Of course, I'm a proud member of the Republican Party, but the work I do as Secretary of State has nothing to do with partisanship. It's about making every voice heard. I know my team shares that sense of mission as well as our 88 county boards of elections all over the state. Well, it does show, and we appreciate you coming on the program, and uh, and we look forward to talking to you again. Keep up the good work. Secretary of State Frank LaRose. Thank you, sir. All right. You're listening to News Talk 1480 WHBC. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking at the top of the hour. We're going to talk to the Civil Service Director of the City of Canton, Sam Sliman. Some people also consider him the master of city annexation. Good morning. This is David Held. You're listening to News Talk 1480 WHBC. It is 46 degrees outside. And uh, I want to let you know, any of you that are interested in golf, we've got a very, very exciting matchup today. Uh, Jackson Township, Jackson Township, the girls golf team, they have a young lady who is in contention for the state championship. She is one point behind the lead. So for the Gulf State Championship, they played two games. They played one game yesterday, and they're playing another game today. They take the average, and the and the uh, person that has the lowest score will become the state championship, state champion. So we have Avery Wright. She's a junior. Her score was a 72, and the person that's in the lead, there's two people in the lead with a 71, both from New Albany High School, and uh, so she, if she has a good game today, she could be bringing home a state championship to Jackson High School, which would be very, very exciting. But on to the city of Canton. We have on the line with us Sam Sliman, who has been working for the city of Canton now, uh, Sam, over 30 years, right? Hello, Sam. Sam, how are you today? Good morning, David. How are you? I'm doing great. How many years have you been with the city of Canton now? You started out as a councilman, right? And right, the councilman. I'm in my 31st total year right now. 30, 31st year of dedicated yeah. service. And, you, and you, <laughs> you do a lot of different things there for the city of Canton. A lot of people would refer to you as the master of annexation. <laughs> yeah, well, they have other... Uh, adjectives for me as well. I don't think we want to 
discuss them on the radio. The master of annexation, but also you are the director of civil service. And uh, tell us about civil service. Why why does the city of Canton and why do governments have civil service and, and what does it do? Well, civil service was put in place um, in the 1950s in Canton anyway. Uh, but prior to that, Canton was um, somewhat of an open city. And when a new mayor would come in, he had the ability to fire anyone he wanted to, up to and including police and firefighters. Um, and it proved to be a very corrupting type of uh, system that we had. So civil service was brought in in the 1950s, and its its goal is to provide an even plane for anyone who wants to work for the city of Canton. And, 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 for, and for any city or county that that has the civil services. It's just, the goal is always the same. Provide an even playing field so that the political, um, the, the politics are taken out of it. So it's, um, uh, a, a mayor, as you know, being mayor of North Canton, a mayor does have certain fiduciary rights, as all elected officials do, to appoint certain people. But 95% of the people that work for and Canton City Government are under civil service. I see. So really, civil service was set up so that you don't have an elected official that just hires all of his buddies or hires yeah. all the people that they know. So they put this system in place so that if the general public wants to apply for a government position, whether it be the city or the county, uh, there are right. certain requirements that have to be met. And and so do, do residents that are interested in a government position... Do they, if, if it's a civil service position, because some positions can be appointed by the mayor or the elected official, right? Sure. And then, but, exactly. but, but the majority of them have to take a test. Is that correct? Some, right. The test used to be 100% paper and pencil, but there are different tests now. There are oral interviews. There are physical tests for people who work, say, in the street department or the park departments or... Uh, Department of Motor Vehicles. Um, so there are, uh, so you know, a typing number tests. Of different number of different uh, requirements or tests depending on the That's job right. that you'll have to take. So if you're going to be a sanitation worker, you you got to be able to you know pick up a garbage can. And, and you right, to, you have to lift a lot of weight every a, day that you're working. A lot of weight, a lot of weight. But the city of Canton does have their wheeled garbage containers. And I talked to your service director, John Hyman. He said that it's really going very well. Yeah, John has done a great job as our service director. He's really brought us into the 2020s and um, his his ability to master um, the future has, has, has been great. And I'm glad uh, Mayor Burnaby has retained him. Yeah, Mayor Burnaby made a great hire when he hired John Hyman. The guy is yeah. very, very smart, very hard yeah. worker. And so when we're looking at new jobs, um, I, I know that, like, back when I was uh, serving as mayor, we look back five years ago, when we had a position open for a police officer, and North Canton was on the higher end in the county. I think they're the highest paid police officers. That's which, true. Which it, it, it certainly gave the, the city an advantage as far as hiring. I mean, um, you know, what I've learned is that, when you're looking at somebody who's 26, 27 years old, and uh, you're going to hire them as a police officer, it's an enormous responsibility because you're giving them the full authority to use a firearm in deadly force. 
based upon circumstances that uh, you don't have to ask the mayor before you use it. You don't have to ask the law director. You don't have to ask the city council. You don't have to ask anybody. They're given a tremendous amount of authority. And along with that goes the responsibility. So you got to hire good people and you got to pay them well. Are you seeing a challenge now? Uh, so, for example, in North Canton, five years ago, you have one one position open. We'd have 120 applicants for a police officer. Right. And in the last year, we'd have two positions open, and we'd have 14 applicants. It's the sign of the times. And, and yes, I, 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 it has been very, very difficult to recruit um, top men and women who want to serve in law enforcement. The, the fact of the matter is all you have to do is see what happened in this year, 2020, with the uh, enormous amount of spotlight put put on uh, police officers when they're doing their duty and or trying to do their duty. And, um, and if they're not backed by, if the police department is not backed by a strong administration, um, then they really lose their effectiveness because they will, they will stop doing their job if they're going to be exposed to lawsuits and things of that nature. Now, for the city of Canton, Mayor Burnaby, uh, our, our safety director, Andrea Perry, and Chief Angelo have stood firmly behind uh, our, our police department. And therefore, you know, Canton was relatively unscathed through this summer of uh, discontent, I'll, I'll say, Absolutely. throughout our nation. So we were very, very fortunate there. And North Canada, same thing. When, when you were mayor, I know you supported your, your safety forces, your police and fire departments. And, you know, North Canton has a, a great, their, their, their police department has a great reputation of being fair, honest, and hardworking, which is, which is uh, great. And, we, I, and I know that Canton and North Canton, both our departments work together on certain issues. You know, so it's, it's, a, it's, it's a positive yeah, it's a positive it's, it's, coupling. It's very positive. And, and, and uh, Sam, when you think about it, we're talking with Sam Sliman. He's the civil service director for the city of Canton. We're talking about the hiring of police officers, which is a tough, tough thing, thing to do. And, again, when, when we had two positions open in North Canton, I think we had 14 applications, 14. And I can assure you that not all 14 applicants should be police officers, you know. Somebody might have a desire to serve as a police officer, but it doesn't mean that they are the best fit to be a police officer. And and I, that, and, that, and and I'm sure you see that, right, Sam? When you're, when you're hiring people, absolutely. My, my, what I always say in the offices, I want a police officer who can shoot straight. But more importantly, I need a police officer who can think straight. Yes, because they think straight, they're not going to need their firearms. Um, as as much, yes. so uh, that 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 that's the ticket. Getting getting men and women who have the ability to deal with situations in a nonviolent way, and that's and Canton really has a, has a pretty good reputation there now. And whenever whenever uh, one of our police officers is out of line, they're cashiered. I mean, the safety director has um, the, the safety director has no tolerance. Or a bad police officer, especially in these times. Well, and 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 I can I can see it, uh, Sam. I totally agree with you. Mayor Burnaby and Andrea Perry, the safety director, and Chief Angelo have kept the city of Canton in order. 
you were not seeing the rioting going on in the city of Canton. You were not seeing any rioting going on in Jackson Township, Alliance, Massillon. Everything was kept in order because you had leaders that were backing their police department. And exactly right. So, so, so important. And I, I'm just really, really glad to see it. And, you know, you see people, they're, they're getting crazy right now. Um, you know, not, not most people. Most people are civil and, oh, sure. uh, and respectful. But then you have just a few, a very small percentage that are like, you know, become like, uh, you know, maniacs. Right? right. And they don't get their they, way. And, and they yeah. want to start tearing things down. And it's just not going to be accepted. But we are really glad to see that the people that you are hiring in the city of Canton, that you're hiring good people, and if you have a problem with somebody, then they move on. It's like time yeah. to go, right? Exactly. And, That's it. Now, now Sam, uh, so we got we got a minute uh, here to go. Tell us real quick, if somebody is interested in working for the city of Canton, uh, how can they go about that? How can they get an application? Well, first, I would, in this time of COVID, call our office. And I'll give you the number now. It's 330-489-3360. Myself or any member of my staff will be able to lead them in the right direction. We'll get their application in. We'll schedule them a test time. And we'll go over. We'll take time out one on, on a one-on-one basis to go over what they have to go through in the testing process. Because it is, when I took over 30 years ago, it has changed dramatically because now there are two psychological tests involved. Um, there's all kind of background checks involved, much more in depth than it was uh, 30 years ago. So we've tried to mature civil service and its recruiting so that we do pull the best that we can out of the pool of candidates um, that, that are get, given get, to Getting us. the best and the brightest in the city of Canton. Sam, Sam Sliman, Sam, thank you for coming on the program today. My pleasure, David. Good seeing you. Good talking right. to you. Great talking to you, Take too. Care. Sam Sliman, Civil Service Director for the City of Canton. They're keeping things in order in the City of Canton. There's no rioting going on. They're keeping it in order. Mayor Burnaby back in their police officers and Chief Angelo. This is Saturday morning, and uh, it's 47 degrees. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the rest of the day. This is David Held signing off.